0: The nature of man. And then we looked on that other column, the things of God, the new man, the new birth, the new life. Uh, and, and we talked through those things and we learned that acts of the sinful nature are done under our own effort, our, our deeds, our works. Even the things that we try to do to gain God's favor are still just doing, they're just deeds. What we want to talk about, what we want to understand here is that the fruit of the Spirit are actions produced when we are keeping in step with the Spirit. In fact, I, I think I have that here as our, our closing scripture. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So that's, that's going to be kind of, well, that's, that's the thought I'm going to want you to take home today. But I'm, I'm going to put this back up for the moment. So by thinking of that, that, that in producing fruit of the Spirit, that is something that happens when we keep in step with the Spirit. Now, Galatians 5, uh, 16 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit; the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Did you know that there is uh, an enemy at work uh, with around you and in this world who wants to keep you from doing the things that you want to do? As as they are labeled and, and listed out by God, things that we want to do, we want to love. We want to have joy. We want to have peace. We want to have patience. But there's, there's a force at work in this world. Satan uh, and, and, and the evil that came when sin entered the world and those things keep us from, from achieving the things that we want to achieve. Uh, but what I want us to understand as we, as we travel through this journey, through this series, is that these are things that are going to come out of the outflow of a life that's in step with the Spirit. So, let's get started. Love. Do you ever feel like you have conflict in your life? <laughs> Anybody. Conflict in relationships. Con- uh, probably especially conflict in relationships, right? It can be people that you know very closely, husbands, wives, uh, parents, children. Um, do you ever wonder why, uh, why that happens? Uh, we have to choose. This is the big choice. Uh, there, there, is, there is activity and action required on your part. Are you going to choose to follow your own will? Or are you going to do as Christ did and just lay it all down for His purposes and allow God to do His will in you? So as we talk about love today, um, think about that idea of laying down who you are in order that Christ can be all the things that He wants to be in you and through you. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, we come before you this morning, and we're excited to look and see what Scripture has to talk about and to teach us about love. Um, Lord, help us as we travel through... The, the fruit of the Spirit and talk about these, Lord, to understand what it is you want us to, to be and to do and to exhibit in our lives and, and how exactly the fruit of the Spirit uh, becomes something that is, is normal in our lives. Something we don't have to think about, something that's just the natural byproduct and, and outgrowth of a life walking in the Spirit. So, Lord, change us today, change our hearts, our minds, and our attitudes to come in line with your Scripture and your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is love? Uh, we're going to talk about a couple things. Um, misconceptions. There's a lot of misconceptions about love, aren't there? I love Lydia. I also love Chinese food. I hope, and, and you hope, that I love Lydia more and differently than I love Chinese food. In fact, I want Chinese food for lunch today. And there, I got you thinking about lunch. Now you can put lunch out of your mind and think about something else. <laughs> we use the same word. I love Elmwood Park, I love apple pie, I love each of you. That's not the same kind of love, is it? Those are different kinds of love. So what does it mean when we talk about love in reference to Galatians five twenty-two and 23, where it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then it continues. What do we mean there? Uh, the key here is to understand what the, what the word means. So there's some, some popular misconceptions. We live in a world where love is typically understood and, and talked about as a feeling. It's something you feel. I feel love. Uh, there's the teenage flutter in your stomach. Anybody ever had that, the, the, the flutter? It may be a long time back <laughs> uh, where you had that initial flutter for the one that you're with now, the one that you're married to, the one that you... Uh, you call uh, that special person. The, the butterflies in your stomach are, are just a feeling uh, and butterflies can go away, right? We don't always have butterflies for the one we love. So a popular misconception here is that love is a feeling. We also talk about love in this world as if it were uncontrollable. It's something that just happens. And we even use terms like um, I fell in love. That sounds accidental, right? It's like I was walking down the road, I tripped, and I fell into love. It's, like it's something that happened to me. Uh, it, it, it's not something that I control. Uh, my head is spinning. I feel giddy. I'm weak at the knees. I'm head over heels. Anybody, you felt all those things, maybe? It, it sounds like motion sickness to me, right? <laughs> Again, that's, it, 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 we have this idea that it's uncontrollable, and there's a real danger here because when we say something like I, fu- I fell in love, guess what you can also do? Fall out of love. I was walking one day, I tripped and I fell out of love, right? It just happened that love is uncontrollable. Jeremiah 17, 9 talks about the heart, and this is going to be really important in in talking about love and throughout the fruit of the Spirit. We'll probably come back to this. I love this passage. It says, and it reminds us that our heart, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Did you know that your heart is deceitful and desperately sick? Until the Lord Jesus Christ comes and does a work to change your heart, your heart is deceitful and desperately sick. And so the heart and the feelings of the heart are something you should always treat with suspicion, always with suspect, always examine those feelings of the heart because that is a place where Satan can play with you. That is a place where he can he can sneak in and he can uh, he can say things uh, that, that get you thinking that I am falling out of love or that i don 't need to love this particular person or this kind of person or these kind of people, right We have to be very careful with that, so beware of the heart it 's interesting that with valentine 's we like heart is the primary right? The primary picture of of celebration uh, for Valentine's Day is the heart. Um, But we have to come to understand what love is really all about because it's more than a feeling. And God says some things that are are diametrically opposed to what our world teaches us about love. So let's take a look at some things Um, because love is something that's controllable. First thing God says is love is a choice. Love is something we choose. Um, Colossians 3, 12 through 14, uh, as honor did today. Put on then. Listen to to the very beginning of that, right? What did you all do this morning? You got up, you got uh, cleaned up, and what did you do? Put on clothes. Everybody here put on clothes. Unless you wore the same thing this morning that you were wearing last night, but none of you looked that wrinkled. So probably sometime today all of you put on clothes. So so very very purposefully Paul chose active words put on then as God's chosen chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you almost, forgive, almost also must forgive. And then he uses the same phraseology again. And above all these things, most importantly, Paul says, put on love, which binds everything together. I think that's probably why the fruit of the Spirit starts with love. I'm kind of surprised that Paul didn't say the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and love. And he, you know... Maybe, maybe he ran out of, I don't know, he didn't do it that way. But love is that thing that binds it all together, which is why it's so important that we get a handle on it from the very beginning. There's an action that I take to put love on in my life. So we've got to think about that. Every day when I get up, put on love. Put on love. God also says um, that love is a matter of conduct. First John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or in talk or in deed, um, but in truth. I'm sorry, He says word or talk, but in deed or truth. Let me rephrase that. Let me read it again. Little children, let us not love, don't love in word or talk, but love in deed and truth. In other words, don't talk about loving, but do it. In action and with your words, um, love people. Love each other. Actions is really What love is all about—it's how I act towards another person. Because, uh, as we we see in James and other places in Scripture, you can talk until you're blue in the face, but actions are where the rubber really meets the road, and that is what he's saying here. Actions in love are deed and truth. So get to work, loving one another. Love is a matter of conduct. God also says love is at the very nature of His being. Uh, of his character because Scripture teaches that God is love. God's not like love. He's not full of love. He literally is, in his character essence, love. If you desire to be conformed to the the image of God, then begin modeling yourself after God, who is love. 1 John 4, 8, if anyone says anyone who does not love does not know God because God is, is love and that i don't know about you can be very convicting if you've ever felt unloving towards someone <laughs> ouch because god is love and we should love one another we, we we've heard these scriptures john uh mark talks about it mark 12 30 and 31 talks about two different things that we should love you shall love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and then the second command is like it. In fact, it says all of the law can be summed up in these two things, love the Lord your God. The second one, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are no greater commandments than these. The important question is, do you believe this? Do you, and even more importantly, do you live it? Do you live a life of loving kindness to others? Do you love the Lord your God, not with some, but with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? Who's your neighbor? Somebody asked Jesus that. You remember? Somebody asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Trying to trick him, it said. And he told some stories. I'm not going to retell those right now. But the point of those parables was to bring about an understanding that the neighbor is not just the person who lives next door to you, but they're the people around you wherever you live, work, play. They may be like you. They may be not like you. They may be nothing like you. They're your neighbors. They're real people with real feelings who Jesus Christ died for. And sometimes we act unloving towards those real people that Jesus Christ died for. But he says, if you are going to do anything Christian in this world, do these two things, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So when we take these three ideas, uh, the idea that love is a matter of choice, love is a matter of conduct, and that love is at the very nature of God, we take these three together, we realize uh, and, and become uh, acquainted with the idea that we need to know how love Acts. You know, if we're going to, if we're supposed to be loving, uh, we need to understand not only what love is, but how does love act? Uh, and Scripture outlines this beautifully. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians thirteen. Uh, if you want to turn over there, we'll be in, in there uh, for most of the rest of the morning. It's just a couple pages back from Galatians. Um, many of you probably had this read in your marriage, in your wedding. Anybody? You had a wedding, and I see a couple hands. Did we do? First Corinthians 13, in our wedding, I don't remember, Lydia. I was too excited to get in the car and go on the honeymoon, and we went to Disney World and ate Mexican food and just had a blast. It was fun. It's like the wedding, there was, a, there was an ice storm coming, and we're like, let's get sweating over and go. So, and they were, they, man, at the end, the wedding was over, the ice storm was coming, and they were like, take this picture, eat this cake, here's a snack, say hi to these people, and it was just like, it was so fast. I, I don't know. But some of you probably had 1 Corinthians 13 read at your wedding, and you remember it. And so we're going to read part of it, 1 through 8, and then we're going to skip down to 13. And it says this. uh, Paul Paul writes, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So some of us are noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. (laughs) Because we don't do uh, what we say. We don't have love says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Those first three, those first three verses are supposed to show us the, the immense importance of love. Love overrules everything. It it, it overrules knowledge. It overrules understanding. It even overrules faith. It overrules sacrificial giving. If we do all of those things, but we don't do them with love, we're just a noisy, clangy gong. You ever heard a noisy, clangy gong? We don't want to be that. And then Paul explains He says, Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. For tongues, they will cease. For knowledge, it will pass away. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide for these three. But the greatest of these is love. Again. That's why love is the first of, of the list in the fruit of the Spirit. These, uh, again, are often read at weddings, often called the the love chapter, uh, and may have even been read, again, at your wedding. But what I want us to, to do is kind of unpack this in five parts uh, and take this list and use it to, uh, to hold up to our own lives and kind of take an evaluation uh, of Paul says, here are things that love is. How do I measure up? So the first thing he says is love is patient. It'll be interesting as we read through these, you will see that a lot of the fruit of the Spirit, because it it, it really is just one big outgrowth of fruit of the Spirit, but it's got these nine elements. It's not really nine fruit of the Spirit, it's just... The fruit of the spirit and it shows itself in these different ways and so you'll see as we go through this passage you'll see a lot of intersection of other of the aspects of the fruit of the spirit so the first one is love is patient well we know patience love joy peace patience is the fourth one right the fourth in the list so love is patient this means love takes time Um, this is hard it's hard sometimes to spend time doing the things we should do. Sometimes we struggle uh, to, to spend time with the people we should spend with because we want to do other things. Um, perfect example of this happened last night. We are, are working uh, on one of our rooms at home, and we went out uh, at like 7 o'clock, 7.30 to go to um, Home Depot and grab a couple things, and we went outside. Our neighbor across the street was having a fire in a fire pit in the yard, and they're like, hey, come join us. And we're like, oh, we got to go to the store. And they're like, well, when do you get back? Come sit with us. So we got in the car, and we were going, and I was like, are we going to go? And I, Lydia's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, they invite us all the time, and we never go. And so we were, like, convicted. Like, we want to be good neighbors. We want to love our neighbor. If we want to love our neighbor and our, our neighbor's inviting us to sit with them and talk, we should do it. So we, we took time, and that's part of what love is. Love takes time. Uh, we spend a lot of time waiting, don't we? We're waiting for uh, jobs. We're waiting for careers. We're waiting for school to end. We're waiting for school to begin. Uh, we're waiting for someone to fall in love with. Uh, we're waiting for a, a marriage. Whatever it is, we wait on a lot of things, maybe even uh, dreams to pass, uh, dreams to come or illness to pass, whatever it is. We spend a lot of time waiting. Um, we have to be patient in this life, and the real uh, problem isn't waiting with other people. It's waiting for other people, because we're not very patient in the way we love other people. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Listen to what Paul says, With all humility and gentleness and patience, Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. Well, a lot of the fruit of the spirit are listed in there, a lot of those elements. Bearing with one another in love, waiting patiently on others. Um, how good are you at that? How good are you at, um, at waiting for others and, and bearing up with their faults? Do any of the people that you love have faults? (laughs) Uh, Nobody wants to say anything, but everybody chuckled silently. Yes, they do. Lydia, don't say it. But do I have any faults? Yeah, she's, she's just like, you can say it. Of course I do. We all do. We have faults. And guess what? Faults are irritating, right? And when you know somebody really well, they have, I love that word, they have faults and foibles. Do you like that word foible? They have things that irritate us. They bother us, And patience teaches us uh, to make allowances for those, to take time to wait for somebody else to change, wait for somebody to cover, to recover, to patiently uh, make allowances for each other's faults. And that's one of the tough parts of love, uh, because often when another person uh, with whom we have a relationship has a fault, we just do what? <laughs> ah. Maybe we lash out or we get angry or we get frustrated or we get silent. Uh, We all have a variety of ways of dealing with those things. But for um, a picture of how this looks, look at the patience of God. The patience of God in waiting for us. For some of us, he didn't have to wait very long. Some of us came to faith when we were young. Um, I, I only know, well, like Kaylee. Kaylee's nine. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't have to wait too long for Kaylee. How long, Lydia, how old were you? six um some of us came to faith very late and i'm not going to ask any of those ages but there's a couple of you here uh, who waited till you were 40 or 50 or 60 until you met the lord jesus christ and for all of you and for all of us the lord was very patient he loved and he waited he is he's the model, if you will, of what love means. We will make the same mistake again and again and again. And God will be patient to wait for us. And God will forgive us again. And God will accept us again. If the God who made the universe can take the time to wait for you and me, then we can learn to take the time to wait for others. Love is love patient next thing Paul says is love is kind love is kind that's the word we use a lot again kindness love joy peace patience kindness right so we see another of these intersections love is kind that's a word we use a lot but what does it really mean what does kindness really mean it's the ability to take care uh, for each other in the practical details of everyday life kindness is dealing with the day in and the day out the mundane, the boring, uh, the grueling even, if you will. Listen, kindness knows how to take the grand vows of a wedding ceremony and turn them into washing dishes. It's one thing to, to have grand vows in, in a wedding ceremony. It's another thing to take out the trash, right? Kindness knows how to take uh, that, that, that delivery room blessed baby and, and turn that into changing dirty diapers, <laughs> right? That's kindness. Kindness is, is knowing how to take those great hopes that we have and turn them into staying up late with sick kids. Love is kind. I've noticed when it comes to kindness, we struggle. Um, kindness is a characteristic we have to, we have to work on. Uh, it has to be honed in us. Uh, it has to be developed. Uh, it, of course, it will be an outgrowth of the fruit of the Spirit, but it's something that we have to practice. Uh, kindness is a characteristic of Ephesians 4.32. Listen to what it says. To be, con- be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So you see, kindness and love are, are acquainted, very, very well acquainted with forgiveness. Part of kindness is being forgiving. If I'm going to be kind to another person, I have to be tender. I love that word that Paul uses be kind to one another, tender hearted. Some of us, unfortunately, have grown rock hard towards somebody else. It could be somebody who's close to you, it could be a spouse, it could be a parent, a child, um, and that makes it difficult. Because Scripture calls us to be tender-hearted in order to be kind and loving. God's loving kindness, God's heart never got hard towards us. God's heart never grew cold towards us. If I want to be kind to another person, I have to be tender in my heart towards them. I have to realize that they're a person just like me. I have to stop seeing people as things to be used or, or things that I can get something from, but instead... People just like me who have problems and issues, just like me, who Jesus Christ died for, just like me. So we have to begin to see people differently. Kindness means I take the time to forgive. The person that you're married to makes mistakes. I know you probably already know this, right? No surprise there. They make mistakes. Sometimes they make mistakes on purpose. Did you know that? Because the heart is sick, and sometimes we're rebellious. Anybody ever made a mistake on purpose? (laughs) You ever been rebellious to your spouse on purpose? Children, have you ever been rebellious to your parents on purpose? Yeah, it happens. We make mistakes, and sometimes we do them on purpose. Because of that, forgiveness absolutely has to be a part of any healthy relationship. We have to be able to to forgive. The only way I can have a relationship of love with God is because he's willing to forgive me. And because God is willing to forgive me, I must be willing to forgive others. Maybe you're thinking they don't deserve forgiveness. Some of you thought that. You're like, they don't deserve, they, what? They do stuff on purpose. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Guess what? Neither do you and neither do I, right? What do we deserve? We deserve death and hell. We've sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. All sin deserves death, and it has earned us death, only by the righteousness of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross can we be made right for God uh, with God and and once again be in his presence and be saved. Only through what he's done, only because he's willing to forgive, not because we approached him, but because he approached us, because he moved us towards us kindness means i have a tender heart and a forgiving heart and i can do that because in love god first forgave me the next thing he says is love does not envy it does not boast it is not proud first corinthians 13 we read a minute ago uh, verse 4 love is patient and kind it does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude behind those three words envy boast proud uh, uh, the idea of arrogant and rude there is uh, also kind of synonymous with, or arrogant at least, with, with being prideful. You can write down that those things equal insecurity. Those are, those are reactions of an insecure person. And on, on some level, I, I would suspect all of us are insecure. On some level, about something, with someone, we are insecure. We may think we have it all together, uh, and that it doesn't take much to derail us, does it? Uh, a misplaced word, a look, a tone, uh, something that harkens back to childhood, or a reminder of something that somebody said in your past. Uh, we all have those little things, those little um, those little triggers that that remind us that we're not as good as we would like to be. Love does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. We envy because we're insecure. We, we want something somebody else has. We, we're not secure or happy with what we have. We want to be like somebody else or have what somebody else has. Maybe they'll do something better than I'll do. The reason I'm boastful or prideful is because I'm hiding my insecurity. And so love does not do these things. Security is one of the number one issues in relationships. It's the thing that makes relationships work. Um, if you are secure in your relationship with your husband or your wife uh, because there's trust built, then the relationship works. I have to build into my life security. And so maybe one of the reasons, if, you, if you're seeing envy, uh, pride, uh, boasting, you've seen those kind of things, maybe there's some insecurity. So you might ask the question, what insecurity am I adding to the relationship? What insecurity might I be adding to the relationship? Listen, when we add insecurity to a relationship, um, we're saying that this relationship's conditional. I'll love you as long as you do this. I'll love you uh, as long as I get this out of it. But a real relationship says no matter what happens, no matter how sick you become, no matter what you have to go through in life, no matter the struggles and the difficulties, I'll be with you and I'll be there for you. Some of, us, um, some of us said that in our weddings. God has said that to us. No matter what happens, no matter what has happened, I will be there for you. We have security with him. The next thing it says is love is not rude. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. We have a dangerous habit in our society of exchanging love. Love. Uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Um, I give you what you want; you give me what I want. Does any of that sound like a relationship you might be in? That should be a red flag. That's a dangerous thing. Uh, when you are are giving to get in a relationship, that's not love. Um, that's business. That's okay for business. That's okay for businesses to buy and sell uh, and scratch each other's backs to 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 make their businesses work. That that works in business. That doesn't work in relationships. One of the reasons we have this habit is because we have a, um, a culturally misplaced concept of romantic love based on the media, right? TV, movies, books, magazines, uh, the things that, that we, we watch and take in for entertainment. I call it the Hollywood syndrome. <laughs> I like that. It's a good word for it. Many people become disappointed in life because they're looking for love, um, you ever heard that song "Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places"? That can't, who else did that song come to mind with? Yeah, it's a country song, right? I'm not gonna sing it. I'm not gonna sing it. <laughs> um, the TV, the movies, uh, they 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 paint a, a picture again of that idea of romantic love that you fall into and uh, I don't remember which one it was, but it was the one she was looking for, the guy, and she would know she met the guy when they kissed, and her leg went like that. I think it was one of the princess. It was one of those, I think. And I was like, come on. (laughs) There's got to be more to love than, than that, right? There has to be. We have this idea from all of these things of what love is. And they have taught us not anything about real love. They, they, they are, are, are the antithesis uh, of what true love is. The definition of love absolutely must be broader than a romantic definition for love. And I would submit to you that the true definition of love is love that is sacrificial. Not love that that gives because because it gets, but love that just gives, and it gives, and it gives. And that's the kind of love that God had for us and has for us in Christ. He doesn't give us something because he wants to get something from us. He gives us Jesus Christ because he loves us. Scripture says that God so loved the world, he gave his only son, his only firstborn son, in order to win us back, to buy us back, to purchase us back. That's sacrificial love. Sacrificial giving uh, uh, in, in a relationship is what builds true romance. Not And don't, you know, if you want to give flowers, I got Lydia a flower a couple weeks ago. And I don't do that very often, but we were out on a walk and I got a flower and it was real nice. Um, Don't stop doing stuff like that. But if that's all you do, that's not love. And if you're buying a flower because you want to get something later, that's also not love. Sacrificial giving doesn't expect anything in return. I mean, you look at the pattern of God. God loves us so much he gave his only son for us. What does he get back in return from us? Scripture says that our righteousness, the things that we can bring to God, he's, they're like filthy rags, they're like garbage. We don't have anything that we can give to God that's good in us. God just loves us because he loves us, because he made us, because he created us in his image to be his image bearers, and we rebelled and he wants us back, and so he loves us because God is love. Last point. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love rejoices in the truth. I love that. Love is transparent. It's out in the open. It's what you see is what you get. There's no subtext. There's nothing hiding behind it. You're not doing something uh, in the background. It rejoices in truth. It protects the other person. It trusts the other person. It has hope for the future, and it perseveres. In other words, it continues. So how do we do that? If you and I are going to find the strength to make this kind of choice, we have to trust that that security can only be found in God's love for us. Again, as we talked last week, this isn't something we can just muster up strength for. I'm just going gonna, gonna to put pressure on my own will to live and do and, and, and be this, this kind of person. God has to do a work in us. God has to do a, a soul surgery on us, a heart surgery to change our heart, to change our attitudes. John, First uh, John 4, 7 through 12. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. I love the book of First John. Uh, read chapter 4 today. Get it out, read chapter 4. It says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, big word there, the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. There's the command. Paul is reminding us, if you have received the love of God, and he has transformed you. You are a Christ follower. Now your job is loving one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. I love that. And his love is perfected in us. We can't see God. Uh, No one's ever seen God. But if we love one another, God's with us. God abides with us. He's in between us. He's all around us. He's in our relationships. He's, he's in our body as a, as a church family. He's in our families at home. This gives us the ability to love and to live out our love as we see it in Mark 12. And I'm going to read this, Mark 12, 30 through 31. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the second, I'm sorry, he says, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. No greater commandment. There are no greater commandments than these. Today, some of us need to we need to discover this kind of love. Maybe we're, we're like convicted. Uh, this isn't the kind of love that I have. This isn't the kind of love that I exhibit. This isn't the kind of love that's living in me. If you were listening and we were going through this and you kept finding, you're just like, nope, I'm not, that's not me. I'm not, then the end of this is for you. This is the part where you confess to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you thought you knew him, or maybe you never have met him. Either way, so Lord Jesus Christ, I don't know you because I don't love the way I should love. I don't, I don't, the, the things that we read and talked about in Scripture today, are they're like foreign to me. You just say, Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture says, if you call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because God is love. That's not part of that scripture, but that's why. He loves you. He wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to bring you back uh, into relationship. And the way he does that is when we confess our sin before him. And we confess that there isn't anything we can do. He's after us. We can't go after him, but he comes after us. If you feel that today, if you feel like something's after me, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's like, I'm after you. He can be after you whether you're a believer or whether you're, you're a, you're a not-yet-believer. He can be after you, right? Right, Renee? Talk to Renee if you all know what it's like when Jesus Christ gets after you because Renee, Jesus Christ has been after Renee for a while. Um, he is alive and he's among us and he is working to bring people to know him. And if you want to have this kind of love, you want to be able to love others sacrificially regardless of what, happens you want to love others um god first loved you and in fact we can't really love beyond the cultural love the hollywood love the romantic love we can't love in that sacrificial way unless god first changes us so in your heart of hearts go before the lord today believer not yet believer and just confess lord i I need to love more. Continue to change me, whether you're already being changed by a transformation of the Spirit because you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, or whether today's the day you say, yeah, Lord, uh, I've sinned, i failed, I can't do it on my own, and I need you. Today is the day. Just confess your sin, ask him to forgive you, and Scripture says if you call on his name, you will be saved. And he will change your heart because God is love. And then close with this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also also keep in step with the Spirit. Just uh, take that with you. Think about that as we go this week. As you're um, walking, traveling, at home, cooking, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. Just meditate on that thought, what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord.